the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to our post-Thanksgiving edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving meal. I hope you're taking some time to relax and catch up with friends and family, many of whom may still be in town. So as you relax and listen, my co-host Larry Dersham and I are going to heat things up with, uh, as you might imagine, a lawsuit, but not just any lawsuit. A lawsuit that really makes a difference in terms of the way we view wealth and what a topic to be talking about. We talk about inflation, the price of gas and groceries, all of the reasons that we care about wanting to make sure we invest our money widely. And wouldn't you know it, there is a new lawsuit that has been filed within the last couple of weeks naming defendants in a class action aimed at fallen cryptocurrency exchange FTX. Before I get into some of the more salacious aspects of this lawsuit. Larry, what is the basic claim the plaintiff's making here? I understand it's a class action. Well, basically, they went bankrupt. And uh, a lot of investors who invested millions and millions, uh, as of today, uh, I'm not sure they're going to get their money back. And so so it was basically fraud. It was fraudulent. They 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 um, they were taking money and they were not uh, being. There was no oversight over that corporation, and everybody was jumping on board with the uh, kind of the passion of getting into crypto. And they had very weak financials, kind of like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and you know, I have seen it described as somewhat like a Ponzi scheme, but just to sort of you know put it in perspective, FTX was the third largest cryptocurrency exchange. And its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, I mean, this 30-year-old had been a billionaire, and the company basically lost around $11 billion of customer holdings, which, of course, led to the bankruptcy. I got to say, you know, Larry, when I first read the story, it kind of reminded me about the, you know, offline run-on money that some banks experience where they don't have everybody's money at once. And if everybody were to go to the bank and try to get their money out at the same time, obviously not everybody would get all of it. But I think what really caused this case to grab headlines is the fact that it wasn't just suing the company, the founder, but also the high-profile brand ambassadors. So Tom Brady, Giselle, Shaq, I mean, a lot of celebrities were also named as potential defendants. And a lot of people are following this lawsuit and saying, wait a minute, lots of celebrities endorse products. Are they somehow co-conspirators? How do you think they try to link that up legally? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, 
I think a lot of people are consulting lawyers at this time. If you've ever watched uh, watched Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary, he's one of uh, uh, one of my favorite. There, he's he's yeah. named in the lawsuit. The the Golden State Warriors, the the franchise uh, basketball team, they're named in it because they use the FTX logo on their basketball court. And so this uh, lawsuit was filed just uh, this uh, just a little while ago, November fifteenth, in the Southern District of Florida, and. There's a lot of people that, like I said, are going to be consulting their lawyers for protection. This is pretty wide ranging. Yeah, here's some practical takeaways from this entire story. So we'll start with a, a little bit of law school lingo. Caveat emptor, buyer beware. Lesson learned, leave it to the professionals. Don't get financial advice from football stars. But given the fact that certain types of things go viral and so many different kinds of celebrities were touting this product. I mean, they probably lost money too. So in a sense, Larry, they're kind of both plaintiffs and defendants in this lawsuit. But I also have to say one of the other lessons, the takeaways, the comments that people were making is I've heard a handful of people say, you know what? I'm putting my money back in my mattress. I know where it is. It may not be gaining interest, but it wasn't gaining much interest in the bank to begin with. They're also wondering what cryptocurrency is. You know, it's one thing where you have like paper money you can manipulate or you holding a check in your hand or even direct deposit, you see a dollar amount. But if you're investing in a digital currency, I mean, you can't hide that in your mattress. What is it? And I know a lot of people can't really answer that plainly, but how do you regulate it? I know dereg- I mean, lack of regulation is one big risky uh, aspect of even working in this arena, but how would you explain, if you can, what this was even about in terms of what kind of an investment this was? Right. I think a lot of people were investing to basically uh, get rich fast because it's just the thing. Uh, this cryptocurrency has just kind of taken off in, in recent years. And basically, it's a, a type of currency that's really not backed up by anything, it's my understanding, but people's promises. And they control the amount that is issued. And by doing that, I guess it has certain value. It's not like they can just print these certificates and, and uh, without stopping at a printing press. So it's tightly controlled. It's supposed to be anyhow. But uh, this gentleman that was in charge, he's just a 30-year-old uh, MIT graduate, very smart man. He was on his way when he to become the first trillionaire in the world and his name is sam bankman fried or freed and he goes by just you just go by sbf for short but it's he lost it was revealed he lost 11 billion dollars of his customers holding and that's why he was seeking bankruptcy yeah i guess you know one of the other things that this story made me think about you know there are lots of times when you're trying to decide on a product or especially something like how to invest your money, you know, it's hard to go online and understand a lot of those graphs and charts. And many people don't want to do that. So what do they do? They go to trusted friends and families, kind of like if you want to get a new doctor or dentist or wherever it is you want to go. And you, you tend to really kind of go by the good housekeeping brand of, appu- uh, of approval. If I have any contemporaries on the line, you probably remember that good housekeeping. I mean, sure. you, you It's word of mouth. It's who you know, and it's those personal recommendations. So what 
I wondered when I read about the brand ambassadors being sued, is what level of due diligence is required nowadays to be a brand ambassador? I always used to wonder when I looked at the Wheaties boxes in the grocery (laughs) store, I always wondered, do any of those celebrities that are on the boxes, mainly famous athletes, do they all really eat Wheaties or are they simply lending their likeness to the product? There have been some fairly high profile cases, at least in the business ethics arena over the last, let's say, decade, where you had models and celebrities endorsing products that they were allergic to, for example. So they couldn't. I mean, a gluten intolerant person can't eat pizza, your favorite food, Larry, I guess, unless it's got a cauliflower crust. But but that issue has always been around where you wonder whether or not, and let's bring it home here to cryptocurrency, to endorse as a brand ambassador, do you think all of these brand ambassadors were required to themselves invest in this particular currency? I don't think so. Uh, There are a number of them that have, but uh, I I, I agree. I think that probably no, they probably haven't invested in themselves, but now they're finding that they're part of this lawsuit, at least for now. And here's an ent- another interesting twist, Wendy, that uh, Bachman Fried, or Fried was also one of the largest donors to the Democratic Party, second only to George Soros. So this could be a big hit uh, politically to the, the liberal side of the Democratic side if... Um, Basically, he's gone bankrupt now. So will there be any more donations coming from uh, FTX? You know, probably not in the foreseeable future. Maybe never. Money and politics always go together, don't they? And you're right. That was the other big takeaway from the story is people were asking, well, okay, did you donate to both sides? And if the answer is yes, that's only the beginning of the analysis. Then we want to know how much did you give to the Republicans versus the Democrats, which candidates and the the questions go on and on and on. Um, That statement, though, about being the second biggest donor next to George Soros, that is probably one of the other headlines. I mean, that's probably why this lawsuit has gained as much attention as it has. It really touches so many different areas of the types of things that we talk about. And first and foremost is investing. Yes. You know, where we are as a society, people are always looking for other places to invest. And cryptocurrency has been sort of on the fringes for years. People didn't really understand and and don't, frankly, really understand what it is. And after this lawsuit broke, I know lots of people were following the media footage of it and saying, you know what, this is why I didn't take a chance on basically an unknown. Right. Now, here's a couple of lessons uh, for people to invest, we can get lessons from life by seeing, you know, problems like this. Do your due diligence. Due diligence. You hear that over and over again, whether you're buying real estate, you're investing in crypto. So a lot of people, I think, just jumped in. They were so excited about this. I'm going to make so much money. They didn't do their due diligence. Second item, trust. The reason that so many families lost so much money at the hands of this gentleman in his F. TX company is that they didn't, uh, in large part, they trusted them too much without really verifying who they are uh, as a company and, and, and uh, so forth. And then the last thing, study the balance sheet. You know, you, you look at the balance sheet of a company, you can learn tons and tons of money. They have to file that with the SEC or something. They're, they're doing that level of business. So you need to study the balance sheet. If you have questions, maybe you could consult your CPA that does your taxes or somebody else. But that's important to save your money. There's a lot of 
heartbroken people out here. They've lost a lot of money. All right, Larry, great financial advice and legal advice all mixed together there. Folks, don't touch that dial. We are going to take a short break, but we will be coming right back on the other side. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in class. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I never have to worry about having a wealth of topics to choose between. But one of the things that we're sort of moving towards now that we're uh, done, just briefly, with the Thanksgiving holiday and, of course, moving into the holiday season, um, is we're going to have some shift in politics in the Capitol. And obviously that was punctuated most famously, most recently, by the stepping down of Nancy Pelosi. Um, I don't know if stepping down is the right word, talking about not running for a leadership position again. And that really caused us to step back and look at her life. You know, regardless of what you think about her politics, she was an iconic figure in Congress. She had been there for 35 years. Larry, if you see these these photographs of her in 1987 and, you know, with the big suits and the shoulder pads. I mean, she's been there for so long. Um, you have to believe that, that what's stamina to be able to have done that. She's the first and only female speaker of the house. And the announcement that she made was that she would step down from leadership in January, but would remain in Congress. But Larry, doesn't she leave big designer shoes to fill? Oh, absolutely. She does. But, you know, uh, I would say, you know, Nancy Pelosi, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I think she's for her age, uh, approaching 80 or if not being 80, she's a very nice looking woman. And I'm a conservative and she's a liberal. But one thing we do have in common, uh, I have in common with Nancy is we both like ice cream. And uh, <laughs> and I think Biden have something in common now too. I know. I I, I know it, and uh, I guess uh, our, our dear President Biden uh, likes ice cream too. So there's always some common ground there. Amen. Um, but you know, the only thing that I would be upset again, I'm from the conservative side, is that she was always backing really, uh, in my opinion, bad legislation, uh, cultural legislation, and uh, just overspending more money than we have. Uh, but the only thing that, that really I, that comes to my mind right away, if you remember that uh, President Trump was giving, I think, a State of the Union speech, and as soon as he was done, she stood up and she ripped that speech in half before the whole world. And I thought, regardless of how you feel about President Trump, I thought that was very disrespectful to the office of the presidency. And the whole world saw that. It's funny that that visual is one of the many, many photographs that's been sort of circulating around. And you know what it's time for now, Larry, that photo, as well as so many others, it's time for the coffee table picture book. 
of her life in photographs. You know, that always happens when you have the retirement of an icon is now it's time for the memorabilia and the, and the sweatshirts and the mugs. Although in Nancy Pelosi's case, I'm not sure that all that stuff didn't exist anyway. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen her wear the same outfit twice. So I guess I would say she and I share the pearls in common. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's also a Californian. And uh, her legacy is really her tireless political tenure. And you think about bringing both energy and engagement into Congress day after day after day. I mean, have you ever seen her in Congress not fully in the game? And that's one thing that's always distinguished her throughout her entire career. I mean, the good Lord must have just given her an energy level that's through the roof. I mean, they routinely work through the night. She's there in her pearls and and pumps, and then she's back the next day. And it's an amazing sort of legacy in terms of the stamina necessary for that. The other thing I noticed uh, when she gave her speech is it was a bipartisan speech. And you know she didn't write it the night before. It was way too good. So this has probably been something that was coming for a while. Um, And I guess it sometimes takes a retirement for somebody to celebrate a person's career. But when I think through some of what she talked about in that speech, one of the most charming aspects was right at the beginning when she talked about the first time she saw the Capitol at six years old and with her father. But she also described it as a temple of democracy. Constitution. She talked about the Constitution and of our highest ideals. She called it the people's house doing the people's work. So Republicans can't argue with that. I mean, everybody thinks that's true. It is. And, uh, you know, one of the things, besides being, you know, a person we see almost every day on the news, she does have a personal life. And for me, again, uh, I'm on the other side of the aisle as far as her politics, but I have compassion and feel sorry for her husband. I mean, he was recently Mm -hmm. arrested for drunk driving. And then that break-in, which is very mysterious, even to this day, what really happened there. And I, you know, I just feel bad for her. I just hope it all works out for both her and her husband. It must be tough for him to be kind of out of the spotlight. And I think he's very wealthy and so forth. But um, so maybe things will get better along those lines. He's had a kind of a rough spot there. Well, I'll tell you one thing that she said in her speech that I thought was very endearing, both um, professionally and personally. She said, I stand before you as a wife, mother, grandmother, devout Catholic, proud Democrat and a patriotic American. And the fact that she took the time to reveal some of her personal life reminds me that she went from homemaker to house speaker, as she reminded us in her speech. She does have an entirely different side to her. And many people only see all the vitriol in Congress and the rhetoric and without remembering all of those lawmakers, Larry, have families and children whom they love. And one thing that really struck me, and I remember first recognizing this, I've recognized it a number of times, but after the Steve Scalise shooting, by the way, Steve Scalise was one of the few Republicans that went to her, went to her speech. But I remember afterwards, it was such a coming together time that many of the lawmakers were revealing that they had dear friends across the aisle, that they knew the names of their children. They they spent time together. It was actually, there were friendships that had been forged and nurtured over the course of the years. And if you look at the political venue, I wouldn't imagine those two people 
we'd ever be grabbing a cup of coffee together. It was kind of like Justice Ginsburg and Justice Scalia going to the opera. You know, people were always amazed at that special friendship. Well, there are plenty of those friendships in Congress and behind the scenes, and we just never hear about it. So when Nancy Pelosi took the time to go through some of what was important to her personally, I think everybody took a step back and said, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. Right. Do you remember, Wendy, this is going back a ways, but 9-11, who could forget 9-11? And I can still remember that picture of, I think it was the whole Congress basically standing on the front steps of the Capitol building, uh, kind of, I forget what they're doing. They were singing together or praying together. And it was like a, a moment of working together that I've never seen. Uh, but that's a, that's a good example too. And talking about getting together, this is like going from Congress over to the Supreme Court, but they said that Justice Thomas, that Justice, uh, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor, even though she's on the liberal side and Justice Thomas is on the conservative side, uh, said that he, Justice Thomas knows the names of all my kids and all my relatives and said, how's this person doing? So that's another example of both sides behind the scenes really like each other, I think. and uh, Well, that's a good example because Nancy Pelosi apparently knew the names of people's children as well. And that was one of the other comments that was made following the speech. Um, here's another angle about the, the whole issue that I think is fascinating in light of who might be running for president in terms of a face-off. You know, we know Donald Trump announced, but if it's Donald Trump and Joe Biden, it's a redo. It's a repeat. And both of them are older than other alternatives. Now, I certainly don't think they're too old, but they're older since we talked about Nancy Pelosi's age. But in her speech, she talks about the new generation. Isn't it interesting, Larry, that apparently young people showed up at the polls during the midterms um, in larger numbers than were anticipated? So if we are looking at raising up a new generation, the question that I have is, do younger voters, are they interested in voting for older presidential candidates or are younger voters, do they feel like they have more in common with, do they have greater trust for candidates who are their own age? What do you think? Yeah, I think, well, this is interesting. I think that, um, I think younger voters would vote for an older candidate. I think hopefully they've been raised right and they would judge character of a person and not the content of their age. <laughs> That's the wrong way to say it, I guess. But here's an interesting thing. I looked this up. They always hear about these generations, Gen Z. I don't know if you knew this, Wendy, but Gen Z, they were born between 1997 and 2012. They're basically 10 to 25. Millennials are born between 81 and 1996. They're 26 to 41. Gen X are born... Uh, 1965 and 1980, they're 42 to 57. So whenever you hear Gen Z and Gen X and millennials, you know, I have to kind of look it up. Who are they talking about? Those are all younger people, but it's all coming back to the education. We have to make sure that our young people are educated in the, the beauty of our country, the beauty of its founding. I would just say that, and there's nothing like this in the entire world. We have God-given, guaranteed freedoms and so that's so important. But yeah, I think the younger generation would support an older candidate. Well, what's interesting about that um, is remember Bernie Sanders, his fans and his supporters, they were all young people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we used to say that his rallies were like rock concerts. There was a bunch of young people all fired up. They were all excited. And when I look at the composition of Congress, they do have a, an age spectrum 
of lawmakers there. And that's really good. It's good for America. It's good for democracy. It reminds me of the movie The Intern, where Robert De Niro is the intern. Remember that movie? And really just brings a lot to the table in terms of life experience. So you have young energy, although I just got done saying that 82-year-old Nancy Pelosi had more energy than almost anybody I've ever seen, day in and day out. But you bring young ideas, different ideas, diversity, and you can't even call it reverse mentoring because there is no reverse. Everybody is mentoring each other. Yes. So you have a, a very vibrant group of people um, that we're going to continue to follow, no doubt. But anyway, this has been a wonderful segment. We hope you will join us again as we continue to talk politics next week, probably. This is Today with Dr. Wendy. Have a great week, and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.